Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. going on everybody welcome to underground sports philadelphia episode number 182 it's absolutely absurd that we've done 182 of these things hosted by yours truly and of course my right hand man even though he's to my left matt castarina live from underground studios as always show brought to you by main auto llc ducharms pro foot security 21 wainwright bernhardt funeral home paul j gillespie incorporated Bob Novick Automall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. What's going on, Matt? Just living the dream, you know? That we are, because before we get started, we got a pretty uh, big announcement for the people. If you don't follow us on Twitter, you missed out. Uh, but we have been approved for full season credentials to cover the Delaware Bluecoats, the 76ers G League team. So you'll be seeing myself, you'll be seeing Matt, and our buddy, Dan Morgan at Dan says that on Twitter, covering this team in depth and uh, being down at the 76ers Fieldhouse all season long. I'm super excited. Yeah, going to be a, a a good season hopefully for the Blue Coats. Get yeah. to see Zaire early on, which I'm very excited about, and uh, just the rest of the guys that are down in Delaware doing the thing. So you'll be able to catch us in Wilmington all season long. But speaking of those Sixers, Matt, the return of Embiid tonight. The suspension is over. They went one and one in the two games without him. You kind of will take that, uh, even though I think that Phoenix game was a little bit more winnable than it looked. But uh, overall, you, you can't complain with only having one loss on the season still. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's uh, a familiar foe in Devin Booker. Last year had two pretty big games against, I think, 37 in both of those games. So hit us for a 40-piece um, you know, we kind of hoped that with the uh, defensive additions that we had this summer that guards like Devin, you know, we already saw it a little bit with Kemba had an off night against us opening night. So you hope that maybe you'd see a little progress in that uh, department. Trey Young had a, a pretty hot start. He cooled off a little bit uh, with, with our defense, I think, in the game. But Devin, I think, has probably had the best offensive performance anyone's had against us so far. And just so happens they also uh, get a win in the process. Um yeah, I mean that's that's a, a the toughest part of it. I think is, you know, just uh, could have seen a little bit more. And the you know, it, we knew it was going to be a tough challenge, specifically without Embiid, but also it was two of the the best offenses that we've we faced so far. And you can make the case we haven't we didn't really rise to the challenge uh, for for both of them. Uh, Trailblazers were shooting the lights out. Uh, they had a historic performance in that no team has ever shot the three so well in a regular season game and still lost. Um, and then Phoenix again, you know, just, uh, we could, we couldn't live with them all that much. So hopefully tides turn tonight against the jazz, which not as uh, electric of an offense, but I think if there's one team that's going to contend defensively with us, it's them, but 
yeah, one and one without Embiid on on a West Coast trip against two pretty good teams at this stage of the season because uh, Phoenix have been pretty scrappy and Portland you expect to be like a top four seed in the West. That's that's a pretty good uh, space to Couldn't find yourself, more. I think. Um, and you know, the Phoenix game, Al Horford has another dynamic game. Just a reminder, guys, Al Horford is a sixer. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been absolutely fantastic. Like just to to start the season off the way he has. A lot, you know, we talked about this the last time we had a show, too. Like, we were kind of skeptical, but man, he just continues to perform at such a high level, and it's just so good to see. Yeah. Um, I, I think that was a, a good performance from him, just in that, you know, we're, we're kind of waiting on someone to take the lead. And, you know, especially with Embiid out, like, he, I think it was a time for, for everyone to shine. And I think even Tobias has caught a little flack early this season, and not that he isn't deserving of at least some of that, but he's posting career highs in like every statistic. You know, I think the only thing that you could really say Tobias isn't doing well, which is something he hasn't really done well consistently since he's been a sixer is shoot the three ball. Mm-hmm. He's at like 32 or 33%. Whereas, you know, we were looking at him as like a 38, 39% shooter. So there's, there's been drop off there. Um, and it's not that he doesn't get looks either. He certainly gets plenty, but um, yeah, I think, you know, overall, I, our offense is so kind of just clunky at times, and Ben, I, I think, was a, a pretty big negative uh, against Phoenix. You know, they had Aaron Baines on him at times, and Ben kind of honestly couldn't live with it. Um, so that's that's definitely a difficulty, and you know that's going to continue to be a struggle. Ben, by the way, uh, for all my my positive outlookers out there, still has not made a shot outside the paint this season. Uh, for everyone that was saying he's going to be hitting threes regularly, um, he has not even attempted a shot outside of the paint. So. Uh, excuse me for my cautious optimism about our Ben Simmons <laughs> shooting prospects this season, but um, you know we we all know the rap on that, so it's not even worth getting into. But um, you know, I I don't want to overreact to one loss against Phoenix on a road trip without your best player. Um, and to be fair, they were missing DeAndre Ayton, who's mm-hmm. not their best player. But you know, that's that's still a significant person to not have in your lineup, of course. But um, I'm I'm not gonna throw my hands up too much over it. You're going to lose games in a basketball season. Still in a great position. Um, I think all, all the same things that we were happy about and excited for coming into into the regular season are still there. Agreed. Still like what I see from the defense, although, you know, both games against Portland and Phoenix, uh, there was some shelling going on at times. But, you know, when it mattered, especially that Portland game down the stretch, clamped down. And, and Ben had uh, key turnovers. Um like that, like those. That's the type of defense that you're gonna see that matters in, like, you know, May and hopefully June is, you know, forcing big plays in the final two minutes and, and being clutch. And um, that was really exciting. Who saw Furkan and Korkmaz? Like, listen. just about to say, how we feeling about Furkan after, uh, you know, corner three seals the game. He had a great game against Phoenix too. Yeah, can't really put that loss on him. I listen. You got he started on on Monday, which was. Uh, bizarre bold <laughs> um listen man brett said it that he wants to grow a, a bomb that was more that was more schwarzenegger than i wanted it to be <laughs> um and you know what he's willing he's willing to give for a a long leash and let him go out there and try and he's you have to say he's performed well yeah overall so far this season i think defensively there's some questions but like he shoots the way he does, he's got a spot. Like, and he's gonna Agreed. he's gonna get minutes. And you know what? We need we need that. We need someone who's gonna be able to shoot lights out like that. And um, I'm very happy to be wrong about Korkmaz. 
Me too. I, I'm I am still not buying in, <laughs> but he can continue to go off until I look like an idiot, which is completely fine with me. I, I would not mind one bid if Corkmaz becomes sixth man of the year. <laughs> <It's just what laughs> Could it, you imagine? Yeah. A uh, little early plug, but you did bring up Brett's Bombers. We uh, we launched our. I knew what I was doing. Come our, on. Our ber- perfect segue. Our Brett's Bombers uh, merch and apparel. It should be in hoodie and crew neck form by the end of the week. Uh, is now available on our Design Tree storefront. So go to dsgntree.com, search Underground Sports Philadelphia. You can get the Peacemaker player jersey, the Ben Simmons triple-double machine. You can get our Brett's Bombas shirt and become part of the Brett's Bombas fan club, plus all of our other shirts that are on there. That promo code, Hoodie Season, still in effect, H-O-O-D-I-E-S-Z-N, and you get $15 off your order of $50 or more. So make sure you go and check out our friends at Design Tree and uh, get all your, your Philly sports apparel and merch for the best prices around. Furkan, getting back to him, though, I've been thoroughly impressed. And you said, you know, the defense is skeptical. I kind of view it as, you know, they've got four other guys out there when he's out there that they can kind of shield him a bit and just let him do his thing and not really have to worry about his defense, similar to J.J. Redick last year. Um, But, you know, like you said, if he's going to continue to shoot the way he's shooting, I'll take that all season long from Furkan Korkmaz. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's going to be the skill and attribute that we need from him the most. You know, again, if even if his defense is below average, which it's probably always going to be, mm-hmm. You know, it's weird because Korkmaz, it feels like he's been around for so long, but this is only his third season. He's still super young, so it's not like as if he's, you know, this is what he is forever. Um, you know, he's not some, like, 33-year-old 30, vet that, you you know, you've kind of seen all the tape on. So he, he does have room to grow, and, and there's potential there still, but um, it's just so weird because I, I feel like we never saw it from him. And, and fair to him, you know, like, this is what happens when you start to, you know, I think we've talked plenty in, in all sports about how player development isn't always linear. It doesn't always go straight up from the moment you're drafted. You know, it can take twists and turns, and sometimes you got to find a new team or whatever. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe this is the, the part where he starts to really grow into who we thought or who Brian Colangelo thought yeah. Furkan Korkmaz could be. Who knew Colangelo uh, from his That's grave? something right. From his grave, helping us out. Uh, hold my breath on that one, but... Yeah, you know, again, if if Frank continues like this, you know, I'll I'll be happy to be wrong. I think everyone, I honestly am not alone in this either. I think pretty much everyone was pretty out on Corkmas coming into the, the team year. Was even out on him, to yeah, an extent. I mean, exactly. I, you know, didn't he wasn't like a high priority guy for the organization um, as much as they're going to spin it the other way now. Like he he really wasn't. So yeah, I I'm happy to have uh, popping the cork on a Monday night, um, and we'll see what he does tonight too. I mean. I'm I'm happy that we we you know if you can have someone kind of unexpectedly give you some uh, some minutes and some good play you know that's that's a huge huge positive you know we came into the season talking about how this depth is better than we've ever had but it's still not great and you're still looking for players to to make that leap um, I don't think Corkmaz was someone that I personally had in mind but hey like again if he if he establishes himself as like you know the eighth or ninth guy on this roster then hell yeah like uh, let's roll with it because you know we love james ennis he's been a little inconsistent i say the least. think james has actually taken mike scott's place as the worst fowler on this team <laughs> um <laughs> i used to get on mike's case for his 
let's be honest, he could make some pretty boneheaded mm-hmm. personal fouls at times. Uh, James Ennis is like, he, I, I don't know what it is. He's I'll a foul machine. Say, he's been kind of bad to start this season. Yeah, though. and I mean, it's super small. So you sure. don't want to be too critical of him, of course. But yeah, it's not been uh, the... It's the not the James Ennis start. that we acquired last year. And it's not the one that we we paid this summer. Right. So, you know, we, we gave up quite a bit to make sure that James Ennis was back. And I trust that he'll get to his level. But, um, you know, Furkan's been a, a big bright spot, you know, and, and Thibel as well. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's stuff to be happy about. There's stuff to still kind of like put in a binder and, you know, have some questions maybe in a month or two. And it's it's I think it's way too early to get either overly excited or overly angry or concerned about really anything. Um, you know, even the defense, I think we'll see, like, talk to me, you know, first week of December about this team and where we're at, because then we'll have played all different kinds of teams. You're even right. seeing now, like, again, Portland and Phoenix were the two best offenses that we'd faced so far this season. So really starting to get a better look at, like, okay, like, when you have that all-star guard really going at you, like Damian Lillard or Devin Booker, like, what does that look like for this defense? And it's a mixed bag at times, you know, where in crunch time, we shut Lillard down, but he was torching us for most of the game. I think 9.9 times out of 10, we lose that Portland game, right? Um, And Phoenix, similarly, I think, you know, we have some better execution. The turnovers in the second half were, like, abysmal. Like, that just sucks. Um, You know, and we probably win that game, so... You know, a little bit of a give and take, I, I think, so far, like, through six games. <laughs> um, I mean, we're almost at, you know, the 10-game mark. Or, you know, by uh, by this time next week, we'll be right at it. So, already, you're kind of not burning through the season, of course, but you're starting to get a... a One-eighth of the way. You're starting to get a clear picture of, of you know, this team and, and the league as a whole as well, which is important. So, um, Sixers are doing great, though, which is, which is positive. And I think so far, we've seen them kind of rise to uh at least some of the expectation a lot of that is gonna have to wait till spring and early summer but so far i think it's kind of been as you expected from the sixers and i'll take going five and one every six oh, games absolutely. like that and you is... consider the schedule too it wasn't an easy schedule Not at all um especially opening up you know boston atlanta is going to be uh, more than likely a playoff team this year even if they weren't you knew it was going to be a dangerous team detroit's you know, like a middle of the road team they're mm-hmm. certainly not you know like bottom of the and league you kind of detroit stuff. not full strength too you know yeah. blake griffin was out he'll eventually be back so you take that for what it's worth yeah. but you play you play portland you play phoenix like you play the timberwolves like so all pretty good teams i'd say I about half of them will be playoff teams, and like that's you know five and, you, and one. And you end this road trip, you know, with the potential to be seven or yeah, seven and one. Yeah, um, playing against a Utah team that you said matching up defensively is going to be a key thing tonight. Go Bear versus Embiid, and Embiid's first game back, and then you finish up against Denver, which another narrative everybody calling Jokic the best center in the league. Uh, I'd call him maybe the Stay Puffed man, but. Uh, <laughs> That's another game that's going to, you know, dictate a lot because Denver was, you know, a high seed last year, and we'll see how they play against them. Yeah, uh, so Dwight Howard had uh, an interview where he talked about how, you know, he wishes as a younger player he ate less candy and, uh, you know, was eating, like, McDonald's all the time. And I just wonder uh, how many Denver Nuggets fans were adding that at Nikola Jokic to be like, hey, buddy, listen (laughs) to this guy because – I want to listen to him. Get chill on the Pepsi, you know. Um, <laughs> Jokic is great. I love Jokic. I think he's he's a very fun player to watch. But Embiid is the best in the league. I'm sorry, easily. He just is. leaps and bounds. I, I think they're in the same tier, but you know, 
I have all the bias in the world on this, but I would take Embiid. But Jokic is also great. I don't want to diminish him. But that, yeah, that's going to be a great matchup. It was a great matchup last year as well. That was like the first big game after we acquired Tobias, and and uh, that was like a really exciting game. I was like. I was pretty drunk, and I may or may not have bet on the Sixers to win an NBA championship that night. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it's... Freaking it, Kawhi, man. Yeah, well, if it wasn't for that, of course. But, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's exciting because, you know, you want to see him play. As much as we don't like the Jazz, it's, it's a good, it's a fun matchup. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the Wolves in that, you know, it's a little bit of a meme matchup. It's entertaining, and Twitter loves it. And then Denver's a good... I think Denver's a, the toughest team we'll face yet, and that's, I think, a great benchmark to kind of especially end the road trip on you, like come back and sort of reset and have a really clear idea like, okay, when this team, and it's November, so you don't want to right. delve too, but you you will have a good sense of like, okay, this team can really hang and beat really great teams. And that's that's a good like place to find yourself at. Exactly. And that's what you want to see, you know, this early point of the season too, is kind of get that early season benchmark. You come home, you're going to play arguably what's going to be the worst team in the league in Charlotte. Um so get, you know, that fiery competition. I mean, Sixers at home against the worst teams in the league have not historically done well. The Cavs beat us uh, at home last year. Hawks, like, absolutely smashed it. I, like, you know, we actually do better, I think, against, like, you know, number one seeds than we do, like, But we you know, do teams typically smash Charlotte. So. Yeah, that is true. Charlotte we have owned quite a bit. We shall see how that kind Although of plays Kemba's out. Although Kemba's gone, so maybe the balance is off. It's hard to say. Uh, if we switch our luck from owning Charlotte to owning Boston, like in the same manner, because Kemba's like, I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take a loss to Charlotte if it means we sweep the Celtics this year. Definitely, that'd be fantastic. Uh, the the two big things that have kind of been circulating the Sixers team today too is is obviously one game overreactions to Ben Simmons. All I have to say is just kind of relax a little bit. Like, sure, Ben had six points. It was kind of the first time we've really seen. That kind of scheme on him, I'd say, that I can remember is having a center on him. Uh, still played a, a pretty quality defensive game, tied his career high in steals. It's one game. Like, they're going to happen. I'd say pump the brakes a little bit on the, the overreaction on Ben Simmons' performance against Phoenix. I'd say yes and no. And what's interesting is that's a uh, defensive matchup that we have done. We did that kind of against uh, Giannis last year. We put Embiid on him, and it's it's similar in did that. Like, to Siakam in the playoffs, too. You know, and I, I think other teams will, will do that with Ben. And the issue is is he he does not have even a jump shot. You know, it's not even like with Giannis, you can say, okay, like he doesn't have the three-point shot, or, you know, when you do it to Siakam, you take away, like, his athleticism to the rim, and, like, you're really only just focusing on quiet. Like, you take away Ben, and, you know, it is, like, a major blockage in the offense and the movement. And it's that's going to be a constant struggle with this team. Um, what I think this team is going to have to depend on a lot is some of that transition play. And, you know, it... This team has so many like great like elite strengths, and I don't know if there's like there's weaknesses in this team, but I actually think the like greatest strengths outweigh the greatest weaknesses right now. Um, and that's not to diminish the fact that we like I'm not saying we don't have weaknesses, right? But I think we dominate the boards so much, and we're going to be able to push whatever pace, whatever tempo we want in games. We're going to be able to get because. We're getting offensive rebounds at a stupid rate. We're getting defensive rebounds at a stupid rate because we are just quite literally bigger than everyone. And I don't, I can't think of an NBA team that has had this big of a lineup. And I, I think even just this tenacious of a lineup, that's going to be a huge advantage. And yes, like 
the Ben stuff is just so exhausting because like it hasn't changed, and that's frustrating in its own right that he, you know, whatever you want to say about him and his drive and his motivation that that hasn't changed, right? That this is still like a a, a talking point, um, but. I, I do think like we're also like it's so easy to fixate on just that, and I do think the Sixers fans especially and Philly fans kind of in general are the like bad news first type of people. A thousand percent, you know, and like fixate on the negative. And it's like this team's five and one, man. Like you know, like I I used like I used to have to convince myself Tony Roden was a good point guard. Yeah, you know, no disrespect to Tony, like process legend, but. Like this team used to absolutely suck. We were and, you know, man, Cannon chuck up just uh, absolutely horrendous shots ever again. Um, but you know, like the, I, I maybe that's just like a different perspective, and I don't like disregard people's opinions if they feel differently. But for me, just seeing this team play well and like enjoying watching the Sixers, and you know, such a good refreshing being five feel. and one when three of those games you haven't had your like best player like we forget that he also wasn't in a like he he's been on this suspension trip but he also missed another game mm-hmm. like that's, that's he's pretty damn good of your game <laughs> so far it's pretty damn good i don't know like uh so we'll we'll see you know as the season goes on what happens with ben people still want to be optimistic i don't think so i think everyone was a lot more optimistic when he hit that shot against whatever chinese team that was long lions um yeah remember when i was over and upset about hong kong <laughs> Weird how quickly that died down. Jesus. Um, it's it's just what more is there to say? Like, there's just right. nothing. It's such a saturated. Like everyone knows the problems with Ben at this point. Like it's just exhausting yep. to talk about because we just we know we know he can't shoot. It's like and it's like I think opposing fans think it's still like it cuts deep. It's like no man, I'm like nah. pretty dead to it at this point. Like yeah, I know. <laughs> like. Probably has more, you know, playoff wins than your All Star does. So I don't know. Can he can do? He can be as good as he is, be an All Star, and still have never shot a jump shot. That's I don't know. <laughs> the amount of times I uh, stupidly put myself through listening to uh, some sports radio callers this week, hearing this is why I said last season we should have traded Ben Simmons for Devin Booker straight up. Yada yada. I'm like, yeah, cause the Suns would have done that. <laughs> So stupid. Whenever people have those like thoughts, it's like, okay, well, like, what's the other team gonna say? You know, like it's not a not NBA two K where you turn on like trade right. trade favor you like you just force it or whatever trade you want. Like you know, other team has to say yes to that, and um, I don't think Phoenix would do that. I I just think you know again the the Ben stuff we we know the issues and it's gonna cost us some games and um, but I also think, you know, we, we saw at times in the playoffs last year where he played very well, even in the Toronto series. We know that defensively, that's where, like, his his home is going to be, especially in those tight series. We know that he's, he's definitely going to get singled out. Um, but we just have to trust that this roster is uh, constructed in a way or that at some point this season he will turn, which he probably won't, but he, you can remain optimistic on that front. And it all it all work out in the end, and it would actually be that much funnier if Ben Simmons is an NBA champion in June without ever having shot a, a legitimate three pointer. <laughs> that in the and NBA. Brett Brown will still have a losing record and yep. be an NBA champion head coach. Um, the other topic that's kind of surfaced its way around and upsetting a ton of people is uh, not directly involving the Sixers right now, but it could. Kawhi Leonard sitting out tonight on a national TV game against the Bucks. Um, I don't have a problem with it. 
you know, it's kind of been Kawhi's MO to have this quote-unquote load management similar to Joel Embiid. Um, sure, people are going to get annoyed because it's a national TV game, but the league's not going to care as long as Kawhi is playing in every playoff game when the, it really matters. I think the league cares, though. That's the issue. The league does care that this early in the season, you know, on a marquee game, that they're not getting one of their superstars. You know, like, it, it, that is... It is going to be... I think what it's going to turn to, though, is that, you know, I, I think the big pushing, like, next pushing point for NBA players is either a reduction in the games for the season or completely eliminating back-to-backs. Like, not going to happen anymore. You've already seen, like, a reduction in the amount of, like, you know, three games in, like, five days or, like, you know, the, the four in a week, like, that kind of thing. Um, but this, like, this concept is never going away. Like, it, it's only going to get more and more mainstream now like the the resting and this has been around for a while this isn't new either yeah, tim duncan did it yeah like the, the spurs I mean, like, and that's the organization Kawhi came from right and i mean especially when last year toronto did exactly this and won a championship so you know what i think yeah i'm sure some of the fans were probably a little annoyed if they bought tickets to a game and didn't see Kawhi play but i'm sure if you ask them in june if they were at the parade, if they're like, hey, exactly. remember when you went to that game in January and Kawhi didn't play? Are you still upset about that? No. <laughs> Bingo. You know, ultimately, this is a strategy that is focused on, listen, the Clippers, like, home court advantage could matter, right? Absolutely could. And I feel the same way for the Sixers. But ultimately, it is much more important to have Kawhi healthy for the entire playoffs than to potentially have a game seven at home that you don't even know is going to happen, where you know that if you don't have Kawhi, your ceiling is that much lower, right? Or if you don't have Embiid, your ceiling is that much lower. If you don't have Giannis, your ceiling is that much lower on where you can realistically go. So, I, yeah, I, I don't I don't care either, but I do think the NBA cares. I do think they care that they're not having stars. We've seen in the past where they've, uh, like, being a little passive aggressive towards the Spurs, especially resting players. I think the Spurs actually got fined yeah, once. Now for, you bring that up for I, not. Uh, I remember that for for a a national TV game, and I think they had to travel, and they didn't even send. Um, I think it was still when Duncan and Ginobili and Parker were there. I think they didn't even send them. I think even Kawhi was in on that. I can't remember exactly when that was or I the exact remember, details. Like all four guys, like did not did even. Not I don't think even traveled with the team. Um, so, you know, like, I, I do think the NBA cares, and they you could say they have a right to care because, you know, they want the, the biggest stars playing in their games, and I think the NBA, more than any other sport we have, is a very star-driven league, and people will legitimately watch games just to see Kawhi Leonard, just to see Giannis, just to see Embiid, just to see Curry, like, they want to see these guys play, and if they're if they're getting rested, you get that, especially from Kawhi's angle, because you know he did last year, had success with it, but he also does have this. No one seems to talk. No, yeah, no one seems to talk about his de- degenerative knee issue um, that isn't going away. You know, degenerative. It's like it's going to keep getting worse. Um, no one seems to talk about that, and that the, this is what he has to do to prolong his career. And the Clippers have a very vested interest in making sure that. He's healthy, uh, as not even just for this season, right, but for the length of, of his contract and wanting to keep him there for what they would hope the rest of his career. What what would your be preferred method to kind of fixing this? I never even thought about eliminating, you know, back-to-backs <laughs> altogether. I, I think we should have, like, a 70-game season. I think 82 games is, like, Do you on. think that'll it happen? Never know. Because <laughs> you're asking... 
you know, to lose six home games and you know, all the additional commercial revenue and, and stuff like that. But um, I th- like in an ideal world, I think it the the most simplistic change would just be lose like ten to fifteen games off the schedule. And I think that would clear. You'd still have some load management. Like I still think even if you had like a sixty-five game season, you'd probably still see some stars rested here and there. But um, like you've already seen like a reduction of the preseason schedule, right? And like less intensive, but you know, you also have teams flying to China. Right. So it's like, what that like, you know, you maybe have a week less of preseason, but that week is now supplanted by having to fly, I don't know, 10,000 miles. Yeah, like people in Australia, like you had people. And, and I get that world. that's like part of growing the game and I don't necessarily not want that to happen, but it's like, you know, that's not actual change. In fact, that might actually be worse off for players. <laughs> like, you know, that kind of like uh, that kind of travel and, and changing of time zones so drastically, which is already difficult, you know, because, you know, you just go on a West Coast trip like this and you're three hours behind and you're only there for like, a you know, not even a full week. Like, I, you know, I, I do think the ideal situation would be a, a reduction in games. But I even if they just made like if they just made the season like an extra like week or two longer and you just had like you know move three games like I, I think there are ways that you could stretch the season a little bit so it's not you're not playing so many games in a row and you're mm-hmm. and they've eliminated a lot of that now you know like you pretty much typically have at least like a day if not two between games you've seen that with the Sixers all throughout this season so far like I've had pretty decent rest between games but yeah, I, I do think it's going to be an issue that the NBA is going to grapple with. It's not going away. Like, the idea of load management's not going away. Um, and especially as we grow to understand, and players get more power as well. This is also a player power thing. Very this, true. This, you know, that that's the other dynamic to this. This isn't necessarily just about keeping them healthy and teams wanting them to be healthy. So, so the players saying, listen, like, you know, one, I, I want to be healthy not even just for this season, my entire career. And I want to have a life after the NBA. You know, you, you talk to, you, and you listen to guys like Charles Barkley talk about how they can't walk right. And, you know, they, they can't get out of bed in the morning because, you know, there are just so many, like, m- years of just absolute punishment that they took. And people always say, well, it's good. The 90s were different. It's way more physical now. The players Agreed. now are better fed. They're better trained. They are stronger and faster and more athletic. And that's not going away than they have ever been at any point in human history. That is just a fact. <laughs> like, if you don't believe that, you are an idiot. I'm sorry. Because that is just literally the way that sports science has worked. Players in the 90s were still drinking before games and eating pasta because they thought it would make them better athletes. Like, the, the, the amount of science... and LeBron spends like $400 billion a year on his body. And you're telling me he is not as athletic or as strong or doesn't have a body that couldn't hold up to the physical play of right. the 90s. People had to do those fights and things because they would get exhausted during games. Yep and would lose their minds. Like, half of those players could not exist in today's NBA because they wouldn't have the social skills that you need now where you have 500 Periscope live feeds of your interview going up and be like, it's just so different. And it's growing so fast. And again, like, as we understand sports science more, like, these issues are just not changing. Like, it's only going to get more and more that the players, and rightly so, want the power. And you're seeing that a lot in the NBA where... How many times now have we seen stars demand trades and, and, and one out of situations or just straight up leave in free agency say, this is not what I want. You've never seen this kind of movement in NBA history with, with players not only just demanding their own trades or leaving in free agency because players now understand that they are, especially in the NBA, 
a huge part of the revenue and that they deserve to hold that power and wield it the same way an NBA owner does. And if that means sitting out in November because it's ultimately beneficial for their career and their life, because these are also people and they want to have a life after the NBA because even the best players will only have a 14, 15 year career, you know, they still have another 40 years, 50 years, 60 years of life that they have to think about. And I don't know. I don't, I don't blame them at all for that. And I think it, yeah, it's going to be an issue. The NBA is going to have to deal with, you know, in the next CBA. And I think as, as we go forward, because I, I, especially with how stars run this league. Um, and I think that's only growing. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. I think it's a positive thing, but yeah, the, the players, I think it's, it's a big signal of a lot of things, but I think one of the biggest is that it's a, it's a big like player power movement that you're seeing now. And it's spreading into the having autonomy over your body, which is not something that a lot of other sports NFL has. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. And one thing that just popped in my head too is, you know, we've gotten kind of this rumored Adam Silver wants to have some sort of tournament during the season that could either go really wrong and add to this issue or they can spin it where you have guys that typically don't play as much or kind of that second tier that don't necessarily think they need that load management playing in that tournament, which gives guys like an Embiid or a Kawhi more rest time, like he said, in the month of January is when he wants to kind of hold that. So that's also something that could come into play is that, that tournament-style thing that he wants to hold. Maybe you don't see the big-name stars in it, but you see kind of that next level. Or that also helps with what the NBA is trying to do with the G League now and make that more of a legitimate league and a, a more more growth and more actual development than it, than it has been in the past. And that's not to say that you know, there's, there's plenty of players that have gone from that league now to, to progress and be either all-stars or just you know good role players. You, you can get a whole gambit of players that have developed from that level. But um, it's interesting because I, I can remember an interview that um, uh, Steve Ballmer did where he talked about how the Clippers – he wanted to make it like European soccer where you have, if you're a season ticket holder, you have a card and you are the only person that can use that card. And cause he wants more like passionate people in the stands. He wants, you know, like a raucous crowd. And I think the NBA as a whole is kind of transitioning to that kind of idea of mimicking some of the successes and some of the things that make European soccer exciting. And one of those is a cup. You have the league cup or the FA cup in England where the bigger teams. So like, say like, you know, the Lakers right now maybe wouldn't focus on like if there was some kind of NBA style cup, but you would like, it's, it's so weird because I don't know how exactly it would work. And it's already an issue now where some of the teams that maybe would be more focused on playoffs wouldn't want to risk an Embiid in a game because then if he's injured, your ultimate goal is the championship, not necessarily the cup. Um, you know, and they, but they rest those players and bring in young players, which gives them opportunity for development. And maybe someone like gets a spark going, yeah, I think that's a really it's it's interesting to me, you know, I think you don't get that kind of mini league within it or that mini cup whatever they want to turn it into without also I think losing some regular season games because I just I, you've done I think so much work to like promote this idea of like okay, we care about the players, you know, eliminating as many like big like schedule like conflicts as we can and like having you know a lot of travel or you know keeping all the road trips uniform or you know not having you know four games and five nights kind of deals 
but then add you know a tournament which could have who knows how many games you know, an additional six seven games thrown in there um it's it's an interesting idea though and i i wonder how like kind of a general nba fan would react to it i think it'd be cool but at the same time i would like to see logistically what that would even look like because i can't, it's hard to imagine in my head what you would even do with that um and if you want to get like even G League teams involved. I don't know. I, I think it, it could be interesting, though. I think it's definitely something that they should at least, like how minor league baseball kind of experiments with rules and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's something that the G League could totally, you know, test run. And well, the see G League how... is test rusting, test rusting, test running even, um, you know, free throw shots yeah. being worth uh, more points. Like, you kind of like take it all kind of deal. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think even if you did like a G League kind of like mini tournament during the season just to see like, you know what was the reaction even even on a basic level of just like logistically getting you know people prepared for this and you know an organization having to allot time and getting different flights whatever like even all that very like stuff that I don't think you would think of as a fan that has to be worked out for that kind of thing so it'd be cool though like but I I, I the league has a lot of big questions looming and again I think the NBA has much more I don't want to say they're more scrutinized because I don't think any league is scrutinized more than the NFL, but I I think people expect more of the NBA and have an expectation that they're going to do the right thing and that they're like the progress. They're, they're, I think, widely seen as the most progressive, both politically, but also in terms of like player health and, and all that than every other sport in America right now. And, you know, I think they'll have a chance to sort of set a trend for how they go forward here. Because if, if NBA decides, listen, like, you know what, we're going to cut even six games, you know, a 76 game season, you know, that could be a, a, a big change to other sports as well. And um, so that, that's questions for some people that get paid a lot of money Definitely. to figure out. But hey, if anybody from the NBA wants to come on show, yeah, if, we'd if, love to discuss if Dave it. Silver wants to call. I'll, I'll talk to <laughs> um, some bye week. Eagles news because they win against the Bears, almost blew it, but still win that game. Mitchell Trubisky still stinks. Matt Nagy, absolutely terrible. Uh, that game was much needed. So you're five and four going into the bye week, and people are still up in arms because now Deshaun Jackson on injured reserve, season likely over. Uh, played all of like two snaps against the Bears. And the abdominal muscle completely rips off the bone, gets the surgery finally. Um, but the fact that it took him literally getting a muscle ripped off the bone to say, okay, I'm going to get surgery, frustrates the living hell out of me. I've, I feel like every time there's a situation in any sport where a player, uh, and we see this a lot of times in like with with pitchers and the, like Tommy John. So yeah, you know, I get it, right? Because I think as a player, especially like the idea of like surgery and you know, potentially having season-ending surgery has to be scary. And I think you know you've been competitive your whole life, so I, like I don't want to diminish their feelings, but I feel like every time you know they're like, oh well, you know, you don't really have to get the surgery. You can do this kind of rehab stuff, and you won't be a hundred percent, but you know you can still play through it or whatever, and it never works. <laughs> like it always ends with them having to get surgery. And it's like, you know, I, I I don't know what the scope of his surgery would have been, but I would honestly imagine if he had just gotten that surgery after week one, probably see him back in the lineup after the bye week. Yeah, he'd be and, playing and right now. See, I think is even 
honestly dumber is was playing him this week. You you have a bye week coming up. Like I, if you were gonna go the route of you know just giving him time to rehab this and not get the surgery and just say all right, you know we're gonna you're gonna roll through this. Here's here's our plan. Why would like why play him the week before the like give him in give him the extra two weeks like. <laughs> it's just it, it, that's that's kind of mind blowing to me. And you know, if there's one criticism I think you can have of the Eagles over the past few seasons has been the injuries and the handling of them, um, both with players like having these like soft tissue injuries, these these like disclosement of injuries that are just like okay, well, like he's been out for three years. So this is Darren uh, Sproles <laughs> two point in what, my opinion. And it's just it's um yeah, I mean Deshaun Jackson too is like someone I think you really really need in this team right now. And you're not like it's done now. And I, I think we even said, you know, though when it was like week or three or four, we talked about as well. He's done for the year because he's. It was the writing was on the wall then. And I week I, to week is a death sentence in the words of Doug Peterson. And I just I just can't believe it's gotten to that. It got to that point right where it's just like, what are we doing here? You know, I I don't get it. Um, and it is it's incredibly frustrating because you want him out on the field and. You're not getting that. And my my tip, just if you need the surgery, just get it. Like just exactly. get it. Just get the surgery. Just do it because like it's like that just does not go away. Because even if you make it through the season healthy, almost always it's like well you know first week of uh, of off season whoever tweets out Deshaun Jackson I went in for you know opted for surgery today for like whatever like they, they always get surgery you know yep. in january february whenever like just, like why why i don't get it makes no sense to me um but to replace deshaun jackson placed on ir obviously uh but confirmed by the one and only wide receiver that just keeps on coming back himself on twitter today eagles as far as i know right now have not made the official announcement but jordan matthews is back uh, with the Eagles, he put a tweet out uh, from his his Twitter account and kind of just basically said he's back. Um, you know, you and I called for this a couple weeks ago because Matt Collins hasn't done anything, still hasn't caught a pass since the month of September, and now Deshaun's out. So your your short wide receivers might as well bring in a guy who has a relationship with Carson Wentz that's second to none. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He's like he's like the annual flower that's in your garden that you don't want, but you don't also want to uproot because it's like, eh, whatever. It's not hurting anything. Um, just comes back every year, and then you know for like two weeks, and they're like, oh yeah, you're you're here still. I don't know. Like, if you want me to be excited about Jordan Matthews, like, yeah, nah. <laughs> the only thing I feel bad about Jordan Matthews is the one year he was not on the Eagles was the year they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, well. I don't know. I like he's just not a very good he's not a very good player. Sorry. Now the other thing that's kind of circulating through Eagles Twitter, kind of sparked up by our buddy John Barchard, is uh you know, the Eagles still need wide receivers on this team. Des Bryant is still out there. And Des took to Twitter today and uh, you know, he's he's pretty close to it being one year since his Achilles injury, but Des tweeted, I'm not trying to go nowhere and be a starter on a team. I want to contribute because I know I will be able to. I'm feeling good. In two weeks, I'm going to reach out to teams and see what happens. Let's go. And then the letter X. 
How would you feel if the Eagles brought in Des Bryant at this stage of his career? No. <laughs> I... I, I don't know what no is like in too many languages because I think in a lot of other languages it is just also no. It's about seven different languages, the same thing. So in all of those languages, no. Yet, nine, no. Not happening. Please not. No. He t- Dude's washed up. He, he hasn't played in, what, two years now, right? Roughly, This yeah. is his second year of not playing. Um, no. <laughs> just no. Just turned 31. Already older than Alshon. You mean, basically... the, you mean the guy who was like 29 and still had to have a, a babysitter because he couldn't be trusted by his own organization to not like be an idiot? Sorry, no. <laughs> He's basically Alshon there's, in terms of play style. There, there's a reason. There's a reason that he has been picked up. Like I, I'm a, I'm a big believer. Like with these big like profile guys, if they're not being picked up on by teams, there's kind of a reason why usually and. I think the jury is very much out on Des Bryant uh, being good, <laughs> and the last thing we need is another wide receiver with butterfingers, like and who, who can't make big plays in the clutch, which he's never done in his career. His most famous play ever was unfair to him potentially a non-catch against the Packers in the playoffs. Like, People still that, talk about Des dropped it. That that is like that, I can't think of any other moment in his career. As a non-league Dallas fan, who of course, like, sure, a Cowboys fan can tell you all about whatever plays he's made, but like, to me, as someone who even is even really necessarily even an Eagles, so he's just a kind of casual NFL fan. That is like my first image of Des Bryant, and it's not a good one. Like, it's just like, oh yeah, like, just him on the ground crying. I like, I'm sorry, but no, <laughs> no, I was, I'm not even sorry actually. <laughs> I was kind of bummed because the Patriots obviously waived Josh Gordon, and you could have got him for free. And you could yeah, have cut him, were we on that? cut him for a million dollars. The Eagles did not place a waiver claim in on Josh Gordon. And he goes to the Seahawks, a team that this Eagles team is going to have to face in two weeks. That now has Tyler Lockett, who is one of the emerging superstars in this league. DK Metcalf, who is just a physical specimen and is breaking out right now. Who uh, Eagles also could have had. Could have had. And now they have Josh Gordon, who's going to play on Monday Night Football against the San Francisco 49ers. It's frustrating. <laughs> um, you know, you can you can say what you want about like Jalen Ramsey and Jadavian Clowney, and you know, not not trading because you don't want to give up any assets. But like, if it, my biggest thing is, I don't care what these millionaire owners or billionaire owners. I don't think it's really any millionaire owners um, if they have to pay a little extra money for cutting guys or any kind of tax or salary. Like, don't care because you know what if you own a team you better be you better be paying up that's just the way it goes um so i never wanted to be a case of well we didn't get x player because of x money situation like nope sorry unless you've just won six straight championships and you're paying like 300 million dollars annually in the luxury tax i have zero sympathy yeah, if we if we were in that situation, we'd be like, you know what, fair enough. You know, you, you brought us a lot of championships and you've paid a lot of money. You know, so fair enough. Like, I'm sorry, like to not get Josh Gordon. To not even put a claim on him is like to use, to use one of your past. favorite words of recent time. That is malpractice. Yes, absolutely. That was the first thing I said. Twenty-seven teams passed on Josh Gordon because Seahawks had waiver claim twenty-eight, and I was just stunned. 
And a lot of people didn't even know who claimed them yet because it wasn't out yeah, there. Yeah, it was like a weird, uh, like, guess who game yeah. of, of who, had, who had claimed uh, Josh Gordon. I got the right division. I said it was the 49ers because of how many teams just kept coming out that didn't yeah. claim. I was like, it's got to be the 32nd waiver claim. Got the right division. It's not the right team. And the Eagles are going to have to play against Josh Gordon in a couple weeks, and it sucks. But uh, last bit of bye week news. The, the experiment is over when it comes to the corpse of Andrew Sandejo. I think that late hit on Mitchell Trubisky kind of sealed his fate. He has been released by the Eagles. And uh, I honestly am super happy. But one thing I am bummed about is now that Sandejo is gone, all of the guys that were brought in via free agency outside of Malik Jackson, who a lot of people forget is on this team because he got injured in week one and he's done for the year. I'll excuse that because you can't kind of account for injury. All the other free agents that Howie Roseman brought in this offseason are gone. They're not on this roster. Zach Brown, gone. Was just cut by the Cardinals today. Didn't even Love play that. the game. Love that band. Anderson Deo, gone. LJ Fort, gone. I will give Howie Roseman benefit of the doubt. Not a great summer. Because Joe Douglas was still here when all of that was happening. And Joe Douglas was supposed to be kind of the talent evaluator in the room for Howie Roseman. So I'll give Howie a little bit, you know, benefit of the doubt there. But the fact that there are zero free agents that you brought in to quote unquote upgrade this team this offseason is a nightmare. And the only real guy that's on this team that's contributing that you brought in from the outside is Jordan Howard. Because now Sean's on IR. The rest of the free agents are gone. Malik Jackson's on IR. It's very concerning to me the way this team is evaluating bringing players in. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to say, right? Because I, I think, I, I do think one of Howie's potential weaknesses might be the player evaluation side, and you know, it might take you all the way back to the draft questions. Um, one thing I think that you can't question Howie on is kind of his cap maneuvering, and I think some of his, like, I think he's pretty good at asset management, but maybe he does have an issue with with player. Uh, kind of scouting and you know you can't be a a master of all of it and i'm sure he also has people that you know do a lot of the work as well and and counsel but it is it is definitely a concern that you know in what was a really pivotal off season that you can't get anything to even stick you know not we're not even asking for anyone to be like a pro bowler here you're asking just for just kind of role average starters here like i that's that's that is it's concerning it's brutal um, I have another Eagle story that we will save for Saturday because I'm still kind of diving into a little bit of it, but a little teaser, a little spoiler, you know, no spoilers, but teaser for Saturday's show. Uh, but one big thing that has come out tonight, Matt, is, uh, the potential for major league baseball collusion. Now this is something we talked about throughout. This is a word that I've just been all too familiar. Oh with yes. Uh, this is something you and I have discussed Probably the past two years doing this show. Um, first started with Jake Arietta in free agency. How I wish we didn't sign him now, but he didn't sign until March. You look at Bryce Harper waiting to sign until pretty much March. You look at Dallas Keuchel, did not sign until June. Ken Rosenthal tonight uh, tweets out a statement from... The MLB Players Association Union Chief, Tony Clark, saying that 
Braves general manager. Yes, your Atlanta Braves, Braves fans. Uh, Alex Anthopoulos was quoted as saying he has, here's the quote, had a chance to get a sense of what the other clubs are going to look to do in free agency. And then Clark continues to say, the statements made by Braves GM Alex Anthopoulos call into the call into question the integrity of the entire free agent system. The clear description of club coordination is egregious, and we have launched an immediate investigation looking into the matter. Ken Rosenthal then follows that up with a tweet that says Clark's mention of quote club coordination is a reference to potential collusion between the, between clubs. CBA prohibits teams from sharing information on free agents. It states quote players shall not act in concert with other players and clubs shall not act in concert with other clubs. This is huge because if this goes into more depth and we find out this is why free agency for Major League Baseball has been an absolute shit show the past couple years, there's going to be a lot of things happening in Major League Baseball come the uh, the next CBA. Yeah, I think um, it's going to depend on also like what you can even prove and, and what evidence there is like it's one thing i think he put his foot in his mouth a little bit here but i think it's it's one thing to do that it's it's another thing to kind of uh actually have anything to really go off of and like you know what's what's even the line between gms maybe just chatting i mean you know they had they put them all in a a big fancy hotel in december and you know um it's no coincidence that deals come directly out of that you know and then those are unofficial deals too. Those aren't even so like it's weird because the MLB like loves to get schmoozy and it's still like kind of to me it's very like old boys club where they all meet and have cigars in a back room and like talk talk shop. Um, that's probably of course not how it really goes, but it's hard to it's hard to say like what what's actually happening here and is is there really anything can, that can be done about it? Because I, I think this idea, and I think you even talk about this in the NBA sometimes with like tampering and stuff. It's like, you know, what, what do you define as that? What do you define as colluding between and this the issue with the political aspect of this that everyone has been grappling with for the past three and a half years is what is, what does it mean to collude? Like what, is, and everyone's going to have a different definition. Everyone's going to have a, di- and some people might, take a more liberal idea of what collusion might mean to other people make a more hardline idea like it's really really difficult to nail down exactly like and you're not even just talking in your personal opinion now you have to talk in a legal sense of proving that because this isn't like this isn't a situation where you just be like oh well you know you're off like you know if you're going to come down on on the braves or on their gm himself like there has to be some substantial evidence to go off of, and I'm not sure you're going to get that. Like, I, I, you know, it's something that everyone's going to like, you know, kind of like talk about a little bit. But I feel like we won't talk about this in a month, just to be honest. And, yeah. and you know, is that fair or not? Who knows? Because we don't even know. Again, like we we can kind of just make guesses about what GMs and front offices really coordinate with, and I mean, we also know that that front offices steal information and that they've gotten in trouble for that, and then you know, hack scouting networks and all this. So there's always some uh, exchange of information, sometimes above water, sometimes not. Um, I think where you know, 
again, it's just so it's just I think it's so very difficult to prove definitively to the point where there could be actually any kind of fine or punishment um, that teams are colluding because you'd have to have some evidence of some conversation and that conversation would have had to actually led to real action. Um, so I, I don't know. It's it's interesting, though, and I think it does confirm what we've all suspected about some some form of MLB teams all all just happening to either be all in or all out on certain free agents or some of them skating by. Um, so Definitely interesting. And then uh, when it comes to our Philadelphia Phillies, they put out uh, a bunch of roster updates just the other day. And uh, this was the statement the Phillies have declined club options on the following players. Jared Hughes, Pat Neshek, and Jason Vargas. Say la vie. Adios, gentlemen. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Uh, further, Jake Arietta obviously has exercised his player option for 2020. Additionally, the Phillies outrighted the following five players and all have elected free agency. Pitcher Jared Eikhoff, infielder Phil Gosselin, Right-handed pitcher Mike Morin, right-handed pitcher Blake Parker, right-handed pitcher Edebry Ramos. The Phillies have reinstated Victor Arano, Jake Arrieta, Sir Anthony Dominguez, David Robertson, and Robert Stock, uh, along with Adam Morgan and Andrew McCutcheon from the 60-day injured list. And outfielder Odubel Herrera was reinstated from the restricted list. Now, yes, eyes are going to raise with the Odubel thing there but it's kind of just a procedural move that they have to do yeah um i don't expect odubel herrera to be on this team next year but yeah, your thoughts on uh, your, bread, <laughs> your thoughts on the guys that are now gone um from the group of jared hughes pat Nishek, jason vargas jared eikoff your boy phil goslin I love me some Phil Goslin. Like more in blake parker and edibre Ramos. realistically phil goslin isn't that great but i just Kind of like Gosselin. I kind of liked what he gave us last year. Yeah, like I, I, I wouldn't be upset if Gosselin was back on the team. I don't know that I'd like we'd miss him all that much if he's gone. He's a decent he, bench player. He's, I think he's pretty replaceable, but um, I don't know. I think it's more because he's like a hometown kid. Like that's always like, oh, that's nice. Like that. Better than Sean Rodriguez. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but that's also not saying much. I don't think that's even a compliment. <laughs> uh, I think the one name that kind of stuck out to me was Jared Eikhoff because. He was the, one of the guys that one was of, like one a of these process era Phillies, a that just core not... piece of that Hamels trade, and then injuries kind of derailed him. But when he was, you know, on during this rebuild, he was he was a really good pitcher, and uh, you know his offer to kind of stay was only one point five million dollars. So to see the Phillies just flat out move on from him, a little bit interesting to me. Um, but that was kind of the one name that stuck out to me. Out of all of these, thank God, Pat Neshek's gone. Yeah, um, I think what's going to be interesting. I was I was looking at some articles about free agency, and I almost wonder if the Phillies should. We know pitching, right? Like literally every pitcher on the market, just throw money at them. I almost wonder too if outfield is going to be someone that the uh, position that the Phillies look at. And I know maybe that's an overreaction just to kind of this last season with the injuries, but. You know, like, McCutcheon isn't, like, young, and especially with the injury that he had, like, I'm a little nervous about what, what we're going to see from him. Not that I think he's going to be absolutely terrible, right? But, like, you know, like, there's some good outfielders. And not, you know, not even necessarily, like, you. There's I think there's some really good ones, but I think there's even some mid-level guys that, that you're looking at and you think, like, 
it'd be pretty damn good. Like, and then if you want to go for someone like Castellanos, it'd be pretty nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> plant that seed, maybe. I don't know, but like, like I, I just want to get your thoughts on that too. Like, uh, you, I pitching is like a must. Like, Absolutely. that's like we if we don't get. If we get less than four pitchers this offseason, I'll be pissed <laughs> off. Um, I, I want a brand new face yes. in every every position. Um, but I, I think outfield might actually be kind of one of the, the big areas as well. Because even if you just look depth-wise, it's not yeah. very good. At just, least infield, you could not really, but you can make the case that we do have some like interchangeable pieces. Like Guys can play multiple positions, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think outfield is kind of thin. And I think really hurt us. Outfield's going to be interesting to me because, one, Bryce Harper obviously locked in in right field. You have Andrew McCutcheon coming back from injury. We'll see how he plays. Uh, There's always the possibility of bringing Corey Dickerson back and kind of platooning him a little bit in the outfield. You saw Adam Hazley kind of come onto the scene last year. I really like Adam Hazley. I think he's going to be a quality ball player for this team. Scott Kingry can play the outfield, I think, a little bit better than he does third base. So you have that kind of versatility there. I would love to see Scott Kingry just become the second baseman of this team. But, you know, he can play the outfield if you need him to. Uh, And then Jay Bruce is going to be here. So that's another name. You know, he obviously got hurt during the season, but he's going to be here just because of the contract. So that's kind of your outfield makeup right now. Then there's also the discussion of when do you bring Alec Bohm up? Can he stick at third base? <laughs> Do you bring in a Mike Moustakis and then potentially yeah. see if Alec Bohm can switch to left field and kind of be like Chris Bryant a little bit in that sense where Chris Bryant plays left field some games? He's much more handsome. I'll tell you that much. Definitely. Alec Bohm just killing it with Team USA as well. Um, so that's kind of uh, an open-ended question too is what happens with Alec Bohm. I don't think he gets brought up immediately. A lot of people still say that he needs to develop a lot more in the field, um, so he's definitely going to start the season. Oh my God! As Juan Soto freaking lifts a World Series at freaking thirteen years old, Jesus Christ! Um, like I get it, you know, like it's just, but Jesus, man, like can't we just for once? Can we just for once? Like we have these nice things, can we play with them? Jesus, I couldn't agree more. It's like we, you know, like on Christmas when you had to go to church in the morning and you just have to like wait for your presents. It's like you know, there's presents at home. Like, do we have to do this? You can't, and you can't open any presents. You got to go Nothing. to church at nine a.m. and then you're not back till almost eleven. Jeez, man, just let me open the goddamn presents. That's what I'm saying. I, you know, it's just it's, it's frustrating. But you know, I think we've talked so much about pitching that I think we've maybe neglected the idea that uh, I think we have talent, but you know. You could certainly add to that. <laughs> here's here's a name that uh, it's not sexy. It's not, you know, big time, but I could see it happening because he's a free agent, has familiarity with our new manager, kind of a, a big clubhouse guy. I would keep an eye on Brett Gardner potentially becoming a Philadelphia Philly. I love his, uh, his anger towards <laughs> dugouts, so that would be interesting. You know, I he's think. older, so you could get away with getting him on a one-year deal. And I think he'd be another big-time veteran who has won a lot in this league to come in, really help guys like JT and Bryce in that leadership role. And, you know, not be a a clubhouse police officer, but keep things in check because he knows what to do in a clubhouse on a winning team, what it takes to win. I think we're going to see quite a few former Yankees that hit free agency. Three that come to mind, Brett Gardner, Didi Gregorius, and Dellen Betances 
are guys that I have on my radar as potential soon to be future Phillies. Yeah, hey. always a little tough. Yeah, a little tough, but um, yeah, you know, I'm just, I, I'm just curious about where the, where the Phillies are gonna. And then don't don't forget, Mickey Moniak is performing a lot better yeah. than he has been in the past, and he's definitely going to be a part of this team at some point, in my opinion. I really like what Mickey Moniak's doing, so that's also another wrinkle in this outfield formula. Um, but I agree, I think some sort of veteran outfielder is going to come in, whether it's Corey Dickerson again. Whether they bring in a Brett Gardner or an Adam Jones or somebody, um, I just can't escape the feeling that we're not getting Garrett Cole. Like I, as much yeah. as much as I like, am willing and wanting it to happen. I I just I don't I think it's the Angels and the Yankees. I really do. Like I just don't know that we're even in this race. I think with like Bryce, I I said from day one I felt like Bryce was ours I felt like the smoke was there and I felt like it made a ton of sense and Garrett makes a ton of sense for us but I don't know I just I can't I don't know if it's just pessimism or what but I just cannot escape the feeling that like we may not even get a chance with Garrett I, th- I think he's I, I think he's LA or New York at this point one of these Boris clients is going to end up in Philly whether yeah. it's whether it's Garrett Cole Steven Strasburg or Anthony Rendon I think one of those out of those three actually out of just Strasburg and Rendon, who would you rather have? Whew. That's tough. Because I think Garrett Cole is the one that we would all right. pick, but Strasburg and Rendon, I think, is a little more interesting of an argument. You need pitching, like, desperately. Yeah. But in that case, I think I'd rather take Rendon because Strasburg's had the injury issues. Um, he's older than Garrett Cole by a couple years. And, you know. Not wild about paying guys right off their peak. Right. You know, Steven Strasburg's 31. Um, he's had the injury issues throughout his career, and I don't know how much longer he's going to hold up. We saw Roy Halladay hit a wall with this team, you know, bringing him in in his early 30s. So that kind of scares me a little bit. And sure, Garrett Cole's only two or three years younger, but I really think we're witnessing, like, a guy who's blooming into one of the best pitchers of all time when it comes to Garrett Cole. And Anthony Rendon is damn good. And it kind of gives you a little more flexibility with this lineup. Could potentially move Alec Bohm to left field and just get his bat in the lineup. So in that case, as much as you do need pitching, I would rather go out and trade for an ace type and then bring in Rendon, trade you know sign a Cole Hamels or something like that, and build the pitching staff that way. Yeah, I think even if you're not even outside of Strasburg and and Garrett, there's there are still some good pitchers in the market. It's not as if it completely falls on a cliff after that. Like I don't think you have quite that high of level of pitching, but you know that's I think more of a compliment to Cole or Strasburg and what they've uh, done this past season and you know for large parts of their career. So yeah, I think it's it's a tough decision, but yeah, pitching I think has to be the the main priority. But I I don't want us to neglect either some of these holes that we've seen because as much as we've crapped on the pitching I think we were just as let down at times this season by abysmal patches of form from from hitting and yeah I think Rendon would be a great medicine to that um whether or not that comes to fruition who knows but it's gonna it's gonna be interesting for the Phillies for sure yeah there's gonna be a lot of uh talent out there now that free agency has officially begun um we'll be keeping you up to date all off season long just like we have for the past couple of years it is Stranger Things Day, Matt, so let's end it off with uh, a little fun there. We're both big Stranger Things guys. 
uh, you know, when uh, we talked about season three kind of debuting, we said who would we bring to uh, take down the Demogorgon? Who who would you rather you know out of the the Philadelphia teams? Who would you want to sit down with? And I've never played Dungeons and Dragons in my life, but if you were to get into it, who are uh, you know the three or four Philly icons, whether it's athletes, coaches, mascots, that you'd want to sit down at a table with, be in your party to take on a uh, a campaign of Dungeons and Dragons? Wow. Um... I don't think I could take a single sixer because they all seem super competitive, <laughs> and uh, I feel like that would be hard to work through. I don't know. I feel like I'd take Mike Scott, actually. I feel like I'd take That'd Mike Scott on most adventures because I feel like he would have the funniest reactions to everything that happened, <laughs> and um, I guess I wouldn't be too worried about him like flipping the table over if something went wrong and like being like, this is this is stupid, whatever. Mike Scott, I think, would be a, a fun fun tag along on pretty much every, every trip. Um... I just I can't imagine Bryce getting into something like that. He's yeah. too much of a Chad for that. Like he just really is. He's just way he's just way too cool. He just really is. <laughs> um, I could see Reese. Yeah, I could see Reese being like, oh, well, play Dungeons and Dragons, and I would like to hang out with Reese just to pick his brain a little bit. Um, so what we got? Mike Scott and Reese Hoskins what in a the group in the party right now. That is a crew and a half. Um, we gotta get an eagle in there too. I'm, I'll get one from each team. I feel like Carson like could be into it, but it would just like he'd like. I feel he'd, like it's against Carson, his religion. Carson would want to be a hunter, you know, and he'd be like, hey, I, "I want to be a hunter." It's like, well, Carson, there's no, there's like no hunter in the manual. I want to be a hunter. I want to hunt ducks. I want to hunt fictional ducks in the Dungeons and Dragons. Doing a lot of duck hunting this um, week. I think Jason Kelsey would be a lot of fun to play. I feel like he true. Not only a good hang, but also I feel like he. I feel like I could imagine him getting into it. You know, like he got really excited about his his outfit for the Super Bowl parade. Like I feel like you know you could get similar kind of energy. If you win the campaign, he's going to give a nice little speech. Yes, I feel. I feel like he could really play a, a fun character. So he could, he could be fun to hang out with a flyer. <sighs> Man, who would he even take? Who would he even take? I guess I would take Claude just because like. He's like the loose cannon of the group. You have it's no true. idea what he's going to say. And I feel like even outside of, of the game, uh, he might say something just offhand that you just either laugh at or just think you like tell your friends, like, yeah, so Claude said this. Like, what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm going to bring to my uh, my Dungeons & Dragons party. Uh, Sixers-wise, I think I'm going to bring Tobias because he reads. He's going to you know kind of dive into the campaign guy. and uh, keep us kind of level-headed. So uh, Tobias, come come along for the ride. Um, Eagles, I think I'm gonna bring Dallas Goddard. I feel like he's a like you know. There's nothing to do in South Dakota. I think I think he probably dabbled in a little Dungeons and Dragons, and uh, I feel like he's he's a fun guy to hang. Like he brings energy. Did the Lambo leap in Green Bay earlier this year? I think Dallas Goddard would be a lot of fun to hang out with. Um, and play some Dungeons and Dragons. Flyers, I'm going to kick it new school. I'm going to bring Joel Farabee to the table. You know, he's he's got the humor, talking about how he's growing an atrocious mustache, but uh, just wants to contribute. And, uh, you know, he's some young blood. Bring him to the table and uh, pick his brain a little bit to see what he brings to the table in terms of, uh, you know, board games. And then Phillies, 
I am going to bring. Hmm, I think I'm gonna bring Scott Kingery. Brings the uh, kind of just hard nosed worker type. Seems like a lot of fun. He was at Reese's bachelor party this weekend. They dress Reese up as Princess Peach, so uh, kind of has a little bit of that nerd flair. So I think I'm gonna bring Scott Kingery, and uh, that's gonna be my squad. But Stranger Things four. Should be coming out soon. Hashtag not a sponsor, but very excited for it. And uh, they do a great job with all their promoting and stuff. So it's always fun to, you know, dive in and kind of mix worlds a little bit. But as always, guys, make sure you're following us on Twitter at UndergroundPHI. Got a lot coming. Like we said, we'll be hanging out with the Blue Coats a ton this season. Uh, so keep up to date with us at UndergroundPHI on Twitter. And we got a lot of announcements coming very, very soon. So uh, you don't want to miss them. And then make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Let us know what your Dungeons & Dragons party would be. Let us know you know, what you want the Phillies to do in free agency, all that good stuff. We'll read them and answer all your questions on the show as well if they come through. And then uh, if you don't have an iPhone, you can follow us on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, the TuneIn app. You can stream and follow us on iHeartRadio. And you can also subscribe to us on the Radio.com app. So pretty much almost anywhere you get your podcast, we are available. Just search Underground Sports Philadelphia. We will be back with you guys on Saturday talking about a whole bunch of stuff. The end of the Eagles bye week. Hopefully some, uh, some more Phillies news to see what goes down there. And hopefully a lot more Sixers wins and Flyers wins as well. So this has been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 182. As always, brought to you by Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Wainwright Bernhardt Funeral Home, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Automall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center at Vineland. For Matt, I'm Kyle. We are signing off. Peace.